Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. And welcome back to Sacred Space on today, the 12th of uh, July. And uh, that piece of music just before the break, in case people were wondering why it was so familiar, is Glenda Locke by Liam Lovna. And of course, it is the signature tune for Sacred Space. It is, right, Slash, it is. It is <laughs> so it is. we have a particular little soft spot for this program. And it's actually a very good kind of lead-in uh, to the next part of the program and our discussion, because of course, Glenda Locke is associated with St. Kevin. And in particular, uh, Kevin is kind of seen as the Irish patron saint of ecology in many respects. And it leads us on to this week's discussion, which is going to be with Father Eamon Conway. And we're going to be discussing the Pope's latest encyclical letter called Laudate Si, or On Care for Our Common Home. So, Father Eamon, I suppose first things first, before we kind of delve into the encyclical itself, context is always a handy thing to understand. And I suppose the first thing people say was, what's an encyclical? kind of a bit early on a Sunday morning comes around. <laughs> it, it, I, I've heard it in fact being pronounced in different ways uh, since since this document emerged. An encyclical is uh, a very formal uh, teaching document of uh, of a Pope mm-hmm. um, and it uh, is, is high ranking in, in regards to, there are various kinds of statements Popes can make but this is this is really up there. Um, it's higher, for example, than the joy of the gospel, which we uh, talked about in your program earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, which was what's called an apostolic exhortation. So that that is the Pope exhorting us to something, uh, if you like, encouraging us to do something and so on. In fact, in Pope Francis's case, it was the programmatic document of his pontificate, and it still is a hugely important document. But an encyclical is a much more, if you like, lengthy, not lengthy necessarily in terms of the word count, but in terms of the process of reflection and, uh, if you like, uh, consultation and expertise and so on that goes into it. Pope Benedict uh, drafted, uh, produced four uh, encyclicals in his pontificate. The last one, in fact, was signed uh, by Pope uh, Francis uh, Lumen Fidei, which is uh, officially Pope Francis' first encyclical, but effectively it was drafted by Pope, uh, by Pope Benedict um, and and uh, so technically, this is Pope Francis's second encyclical. But in actual terms of of, of what he uh, of the if you like the research and writing that he uh, di- directed and in fact dictated himself, this is really his first encyclical. Mm. Now, in terms of teaching, actually, that's an interesting point that you bring up because Pope Francis clearly sets out in uh, Laudate Si. This is what is ranked as part of Catholic social teaching. Catholic social teaching, of course, it's one of my pet subjects on the program. People are sick of hearing me talk about it. But, of course, it's kind of, it's described as kind of the hidden treasure of church teaching in many respects. So, so if you were to kind of sum up Catholic social teaching, how would you describe it? Well, I suppose the first thing, as you say, it, it is often a hidden or neglected aspect of the church's moral teaching. Uh, it, when people hear about the church and morality, uh, uh, people immediately think of sexual morality, and of course the Church's sexual moral teaching is, is hugely important and isn't to be divorced, as we'll see when we go on to the, have our discussion, from the Church's social teaching. But um, as a, a theologian called Albert Nolan once said, there are perhaps more mortal sins committed in boardrooms than in bedrooms. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think maybe... We can be accused in the Catholic Church of being somehow sex-obsessed, ob- but actually it's very often, it's interesting, it's, it, the media attention, say if Pope Francis now had brought out an encyclical on sexual mor- morality, it probably would be getting an awful lot more attention, an awful lot more uh, controversial programs and so on 
than Laudato Si, which is on the church's social teaching. But as you say, in fact, this is a hugely significant and important part of uh, of the church's, uh, in a sense, it's 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 authoritative um, direction on how we are to live with one another. And you know, this really is an extraordinary document. Uh, but as I say, the, the two aspects of moral teaching, if you like, sexual morality and social moral teaching, are to be kept as one. Mm. I suppose one of the questions I suppose that people would ask at this stage is, you know, given everything that's going on in the world, given the many crises that are out there, you know, I've seen some of the commentary, particularly from people that weren't overly receptive to the encyclical, saying like, why is Francis coming out with an encyclical on the environment now? Why does this encyclical matter to people? You know, why is it coming out now? Well, uh, I'd say there are several reasons for that. Uh, First of all, to see it as being only on the environment is already to prejudice one's reading and, in fact, to miss the whole point because it's actually about the whole of of life, which includes, in an integral way, human life or human ecology. So it's actually about us. Uh, so it's it's not just about the environment. In fact, one, one of the things he's challenging is how we can see the envi- dealing with about the environment or caring for the environment as kind of an add-on to the rest of our lives or as a separate and distinct part of it. Secondly, why now? I would say it is a, a particular impulse of Pope Francis, named after St. Francis, uh, and the care of the earth uh, being so much a part of the spirituality of St. Francis. Thirdly, we actually have a crisis, and we are in difficulty. We're in, in, in heading towards an ever-increasing disaster uh, for which we are morally uh, accountable and morally responsible and so Pope Francis is putting the weight of the pontificate, of his pontificate, uh, behind drawing our attention to that. The late John Moriarty, uh, I don't know if uh, many of your listeners would know who I'm speaking of, but he was a Kerry man, uh, a mystic really, a wonderful uh, storyteller. Um, but I often had heard John speak, I had the privilege of that, and often had conversations with John. Um, but John used to quite often say that we human beings are to the universe uh, what the AIDS virus is to the human body, that we are HIV positive uh, where the Earth is concerned, that we human beings are really destroying our planet. And while Pope Francis doesn't use that um, analogy, that is exactly what he is saying in this encyclical. So I would say the the main reason is that he has an acute sensitivity uh, to the to the crisis in which we're in, and he wants to draw all our attention to this. Mm. Now, of course, any time a papal document of any shape, form, or description that can, can come out, if you want to cure insomnia, it's often prescribed as a non-medical way to approach it. However, Laudati Si, is a, the style is slightly different, and the way it's approached. And I suppose what struck me reading it, I suppose, is that usually papal encyclicals will start with a dense theological philosophical reflection, and then try to work towards some kind of you know day-to-day uh, support or recommendation or exhortation. This one approaches it slightly different. It reminded me very much of the, I suppose, for those that would have been YCW or YCS or anyone that would in, in Limerick in particular, young people that have been involved in the initial youth leadership program, a very much kind of a see, judge, act um, uh, kind of approach that's kind of in, in terms of the presentation of the encyclical. Well, great minds think alike there, Shane, because uh, in fact, I was approached by the Irish Catholic there, uh, just as we brought out a little book on uh, the joy of the gospel uh, there um, shortly after it came out. 
I was approached, and rather in great haste, really, the Irish Catholic asked me to work with them on putting together a uh, commentary and a study guide on Laudato Si, which I worked on flat out, really, for the last couple of weeks, and it went to print only yesterday. So uh, it actually, uh, what I decided, and I don't know when and how this came to me, but um, was exactly this. Uh, each chapter we've written, uh, we've analysed each chapter on the basis of C, Judge and Act. But in fact, there was a movement, as you say, through the encyclical also of see, judge and act. So the early parts of it are inviting us to to recognize and join with Pope Francis in uh, observing the reality uh, and interpreting the reality as it is. Then the judgment part, as you say, uh, is uh, an analysis and he draws on the various lenses we can use to view the reality, scientific uh, faith, um, the various, uh, I suppose, the various kinds of sources of knowledge and wisdom, philosophy, and so on, and then the the, the last part, and in many respects the most important part, uh, is th- this is what we are required to do. These are the changes we're required to make to our lives. So, as you say, encyclicals generally um, can put people to sleep, but I think uh, the challenge you will face if you op- open Laudato Si and you are doing it with an open and honest heart. Uh, and if you're doing it with a certain level of uh, honesty, self-honesty, uh, it could actually cause you a nightmare. Mm. There is, I suppose, one thing to be said about reading uh, anything on the environmental um, campaigns at the moment, of course, is the fact that it, it challenges us big time in the West, uh, and particularly in developed countries. As someone who has worked in Africa and seen directly the impact of climate change on African farmers. You know, it, the reality is, it, and which Pope Francis brings out, is the challenge is for us, we have to, it's a change of life. We're called to conversion in many respects. Um, and it, it's, it's that whole kind of dynamic that kind of, as you said, would startle people if they sit down to read with the, with, with, with the encyclical. I, I think many of us, when we hear environmental issues uh, being discussed, um, and Pope Francis names this directly in the encyclical, there's a kind of a yawn factor, and we're either bored by it or we assuage our conscience by saying, well, you know, sure, I have, nothing, I have no influence on these matters. Uh, they're, they're discussed at world geopolitical level and so on. But, in fact, uh, Pope Francis blows that out of the water. He makes it very real and very concrete uh, for each one of us uh, that we are, by our sins of commission and our sins of omission, utterly implicated in what is happening to our planet. And as you say, the, what he makes very real for us, uh, as real as it can be for anyone who hasn't, and you have and I have, spent time in developing countries. Um, just after Christmas, I was in India for three weeks, uh, working at a school for disabled children, and it was just mind-blowing. And only earlier today, in fact, I opened an email from the sister in charge, uh, they were quite close to the, uh, they felt the aftershocks of the Nepali disaster and to hear how they had all just huddled together in one room and she said that we had decided if we were going to die, we would die together and I actually started crying as I was reading her email because just the vulnerability of, of human life, of young human life, innocent human life in so many um, parts of the world, we, we just don't really get it here. And so what we find in the encyclical um, is that Pope Francis is, is, is drawing, uh, is making the connections for us, connections we probably don't want him to make or don't like being made, uh, between, as you say, care of the earth, care of the poor, uh, and care of the earth and poor and care of the poor of the earth are the two sides 
of the one coin. Mm. And um, he actually says that we must, uh, that there's an inseparable bond, as he says, between concern for nature, justice for the poor, commitment to society and interior peace. And he wants us to experience deep unrest in ourselves uh, if, in fact, we are ignoring these connections. Mm. I suppose one of, you know, if we, if, we, if we start into the encyclical itself, I suppose one of the main questions I suppose that Francis poses to us is what kind of a world do we want to leave to those who come after us, to the children who are now growing up? And I think, for me, I think that was one of the key questions that came out of, of, of the encyclical and reflecting on it and reading through it. And of course, some of the principal, I suppose, areas that Francis links through the five chapters is kind of the relationship between the poor and the fragility of the planet, um, the idea that everything is connected, interconnected. Um, I suppose the whole way that there's the assumption that technology can solve everything and the power of technology. Um, I suppose the whole idea of the value proper to every creature and kind of the need for an honest debate about what this actually means for people and the, the sacrifices that everyone is going to have to make if we're going to fix this problem. And then, of course, that great thing that Francis has picked up on all through his pontificate is this throwaway culture in terms of both things, material things we use, but also how we treat human life in many respects. Um, I suppose and there's some of the kind of the main, if you like, themes that came out. And I suppose that we kind of we can discuss it in 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 the next kind of um, in the next while in terms of the next discussion. But I suppose I suppose starting at the beginning, I suppose you know, and it's the the whole way that Francis presents this kind of the, the opening chapter, and he, he presents the science, you know. And I suppose this was one of the big things I suppose uh, that was thrown at him, particularly in the U.S. The response to this section was quite interesting. You had you know presidential candidates coming out and basically telling Francis, you know, stay away from the science. And I thought that was a strange kind of a, a kind of a comment. Well, at one level, it was heartening because I mean, if he wasn't upsetting these people, I'd be somewhat worried. Um, I, I think anybody who reads it with an open and fair mind will realize that here is somebody whose soul motivation is that we have a God-given responsibility for nature, for creation, and he's calling us to exercise that responsibility. And I would say any, he's not interested in earthly power. Um, he's not interested in being elected anywhere. Uh, he is actually probably the only person on the planet who could have produced a document like this. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the Dalai Lama couldn't, and I'm not saying some other highly motivated uh, and good living person couldn't. But to have the, if you like, the apparatus, to have the contacts, to have the... Remember, we have 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. Uh, one of the hallmarks of Pope Francis's uh, work to date, including Joy of the Gospel, is that he, he, he relies upon, indeed he endorses, uh, the uh, documents of Episcopal conferences around the world. And again, we find this here. And, you know, we would hope that Episcopal conferences in their documents, and indeed many of the ones he cites, are... Uh, are, are very laudatory. Are very their 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 care for their people is very clear. Bolivia, Australia, New Zealand, so on, so on. But uh, he cites these. So in a way, he gives voice to local churches around the whole world. And mm. I can't think of any politician or other world leader who would be able to to give a voice to so many people who are otherwise voiceless and vulnerable. And so I'm delighted uh, if uh, if political leaders and the so-called powerful in earthly terms are disturbed uh, by this document, and I would consider that uh, as, uh, already a sign of its uh, relevance and success. Mm -hmm. They will find it very difficult, very difficult in any credible way, 
to attack him on the basis of the uh, of his approach to science here because he's actually been very careful first of all he does not over 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 uh, uh what's the phrase I'm looking for he doesn't overstretch his authority as a church leader he doesn't over uh, overstretch the role of theology he recognizes the integral nature of science its own methods and so on he respects all of that um and where a question is not uh, yes, if you like, definitive or, or a judgment on a particular scientific question is open to different views and opinions. He says that. He says it's an open question. But where there is compelling evidence, however unpalatable for vested interests, he presents it. Mm. And so, I mean, I, I just find it utterly self-authenticating, uh, particularly that chapter uh, on science and uh, the insights of science and and uh, technology, in a sense, uh, uh, as to as to where we are, and in fact, I mean, to name it, the way uh, we are contributing to climate change with uh, with all the negative consequences of that for biodiversity, for various species, and indeed for ourselves as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he, you know, he he through Cardinal Turkson, the head of the uh, the particular council for justice and peace, who spearheaded the work on this document, over 200 of the leading institutions around the world uh, and individuals were consulted. Uh, so also Muslim and Orthodox sources. So, you know, I think it already, the way it was even launched and the various bodies who were present when it was launched has shown that there is a huge consensus. He has actually built up a huge consensus of support and agreement. So I, I'm glad that some of these vested interests will be flushed out by this document. Mm. It was interesting, like, in, as you said, you know, he paternally focuses on a number of things, as you said, pollution, the throwaway culture, and the, particularly the focus on water I found was interesting, and recognition that, you know, access to water is a basic universal human right, you know, since it's essential to human survival. And then the focus and how it all impacts on humanity, the decline in the quality of human life, and ultimately kind of how that would lead to a breakdown in society. But also what I found interesting was the focus again on global inequality and the lack of responses, you know, and the fact that we have an, an, what he calls an ecological debt, that those of us in the West, we have a debt to those poorer countries, um, you know, that we have, a, we have an obligation to repay in many respects, you know, in terms of, you know, particularly at the moment now, he, last week he was in South America, and again he brought up the whole issue of the Amazon and, and the fact that it should be protected and not exploited. Uh, and it was just that whole idea that, in some respects, we owe people who are living in, in, in countries that have kind of, you know, things like the Amazon, the lungs of the planet that need to be protected rather than exploited. Yeah, you, you just uh, referred, in a sense, in, in the past couple of minutes, to two of the key points there. The, this use of this phrase, ecological debt, as far as I know, is unique to this document, uh, uh, that, you know, we can talk about debt in various ways. And the way we, we uh, in a sense, we um, uh, cause other countries to be in debt, we, we exploit them, we run away, and, of course, it impacts disproportionately hugely upon the poor of the planet uh, that comes through in it. You also referred earlier to the idea of our responsibility to future generations. And I think that, again, uh, the, the solidarity we need to show and express is not just to other human beings who are currently alive, but in fact to future generations as well. And he said we will be judged uh, by uh, these future generations on the basis of what we do or indeed fail to do at this point in time. Mm. I suppose moving moving along a small bit, um, I suppose the next section deals with kind of looking at the issue through the lens, if you like, I suppose, of scripture and theology. 
Yeah. And it's looking at what he called the gospel of creation. Um, Shane, you know, which is an interesting one. It's an interesting dynamic because, of course, obviously this is a papal encyclical, so it's, it's, we look at it through the prism of faith. Uh, but it's obviously also a way to dialogue uh, with the world in terms of people that are not religious but are still involved. Like, as you mentioned, the launch of the encyclical in Rome had the attendance, there was, a, there was an orthodox representative, but there was also a scientist there who is an atheist, but was still there to give support to the, pu- to the publication. And I just found that interesting that you know, they were able to support something that still has an extraordinary faith dynamic to it. Because, of course, it's kind of, you know, people will do things for faith above and beyond, you know, what seems logical sometimes. Yeah, I suppose an important point is that Pope Benedict tended, and again, there was a reason for it, he saw it as respectful, to to exercise the papal uh, authority, if you like, with regard to, to Catholics. He spoke mostly... His view really was we needed to, in a sense, to get our own house in order predominantly mm. uh, as church. And so he addressed and, and exhorted Catholics for the most part. This encyclical is addressed to every single human being. And that Pope Francis makes that clear. It's an appeal to every single living and breathing human being. However, this chapter is addressed in a very specific way to, uh, to, to Catholics and to Christians. And it, it really puts forward something we're losing sight of increasingly in this country. Um, the, 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 the specific Christian way of looking at it is to be a human being. And um, the, the, uh, I suppose the, the biggest thing we seem to lose sight of, and the Bible, the biblical view of creation reminds us of this, is our own limitations as human beings. Um, Brendan Kennelly in one of his poems says a lovely line he says is all my sinning my own refusal to know that I am small and we have this extraordinary arrogance as a species really uh, where as you said earlier we see everything uh, and every species as their as our stuff you know the way children say leave that alone that's my stuff mm. uh, it's a lovely way kids have a sort of you know say this is mine and it's not yours but Pope Francis is saying that we seem to think the whole world is our stuff to do with as we like, and uh, and that's so counter-biblical. Now, he also acknowledges that there were ways in which maybe the idea of uh, the phrase in Genesis where, where we were told that we had a stewardship of creation and sometimes it was seen as a dominance that we could control and in a sense exploit creation, that Christianity has in the past wrongly contributed to that, but he corrects that and he says that's not, that's not the authentic Christian understanding of creation, that we do have a stewardship, but it's, it's sharing in God's care of the earth, God's love of the earth, uh, and that we ourselves are, as is the rest of creation, we are the fruit of God's love. And as the fruit of God's love, um, you know, we, we are co-responsible with God uh, for it. But our biggest sin, and this is original sin, I mean, many of your listeners will remember uh, their catechism uh, and, uh, and remember about original sin. Original sin is that practical way we forget that we are creatures ourselves and we try to be God. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is what Pope Francis is reminding us of in this chapter, I think. Now, just there, uh, we just we kind of do need to go for an ad break. We do, yeah. have to be paid for. So, John, you uh, and it is appropriate, as we just finished this particular section, <coughs> we talked about the gospel of creation. Uh, John, that we kind of go out with, um, with two two prayers, one of the pr- that are in this encyclical by Pope Francis. You you were going to read one. That's right. I was going to read one, and this one is entitled by Pope Francis: "A Christian Prayer in Union with Creation." 
Father, we praise you with all your creatures. They come forth from your all-powerful hand. They are yours, filled with your presence and your tender love. Praise be to you. Son of God, Jesus, through you all things were made. You were formed in the womb of Mary, our mother. You became part of this creation, and you gazed upon this world with human eyes. Today you are alive in every creature. In your risen glory, praise be to you. Holy Spirit, by your light, you guide this world towards the Father's love and accompany a creation as it groans in travail. You also dwell in our hearts, and you inspire us to do what is good. Praise be to you. Triune Lord, wondrous community of infinite love, teach us to contemplate you in the beauty of the universe. For all the things speak of you. Awaken our praise and thankfulness for every being that you were made. Give us the grace to feel profoundly joined to everything that is. God of love, show us our place in this world as channels of your love for all the creatures of this earth, and not one of them is forgotten in your sight. Enlighten those who possess power and money, that they may avoid the sin of indifference, that they may love the common good, advance the weak, and care for this world in which we live. The poor in the earth are crying out, O Lord, seize us with your power and light. Help us to protect all life, to prepare for a better future, for the coming of your kingdom, of justice, peace, love and beauty. Praise to you. Amen. So I might just go out with a bit of music here at this particular stage. It's from the Maranatha Singers, and this one is actually entitled, I Want to Praise You, Lord. So let's hear this.
about the new encyclical Laudate Si uh, on, uh, a common, on, a com- on a care for our common home by Pope Francis. Father Eamon, just before the break there, we finished up with the section that deals with kind of the gospel of creation and kind of looking at care of the environment in a holistic sense uh, and the tradition that's there from a, from a Christian perspective. And it was interesting, I, one of the things that you said that, that I just want to pick up on, of course, is the fact that in many respects, this is almost an ecumenical document because, of course, we have a lot of input from Patriarch Bartholomew as well. Yeah, as you say, he consulted widely. He wanted to build and bring with him as wide a consensus as possible. So in terms of really, you know, good good and well-intentioned people in the area of the sciences, uh, philosophy, uh, various te- branches of technology, and indeed the other religions and within Christianity, absolutely, it's it's really it's it's unique in that regard. Oh. It's an extraordinary exercise, really. And one of the things he highlights in 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 the letter, of course, is the whole kind of over reliance that we've had on technology, and kind of looking at the way that there is a crisis of where the, we've lost the human focus in in some respects. That we think the technology is going to solve everything. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's it's that, and there's actually even a, a, a sense that the really negative effect is that we take a technical way of looking at things, and indeed, at looking at people, and by that it's sort of that we look at things in a very instrumentalist way. We look at things, um, uh, you, you know, as 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 in isolated way as problems to be solved. Um, we look at things in terms of means and ends. Um, it's it, it's really uh, a, a mindset we take on, which replaces the one we were just speaking about, the the biblical mindset. The mindset we now have, Pope Francis saying, and I think he's absolutely correct, is uh, one where we uh, we prize efficiency, we prize um, you know maximizing profit and so on, all of these things uh, above people really. Um, I mean, the phrase people before profit would sum up an awful lot of it. And we use technologies in ways that really exploit uh, without thinking of their effects. Mm. So, you know, the, the way in which, uh, for example, even something that in itself might not be necessarily bad. He discusses the genetic modification, for example, which in some respects can solve world hunger uh, problems in many parts of the world can at the same time cause massive unemployment and can, uh, uh, you know, where, where he goes on to talk about the way work is fundamental to human dignity. And we don't see the connections between a lot of what we do. It should be said, Pope Francis begins this chapter on, on technology by talking about the positives of technology. Mm. And in principle, technology is, um, is our servant in 
and makes it possible for us to be co-responsible for creation. Uh, I mean, which are, which of us would in any way you know want to live without the advances that technology has made possible, both in terms of our personal convenience and in terms of life-saving uh, operations, life-saving uh, you know um, uh, activities that technology makes possible. So he does begin by acknowledging and recognizing that, but it's it's a kind of this technical way of looking at things that is very narrow. Uh, do you know kind of the joke people say? You know, the the about do, the doctor. Well, the, you know, the operation was a success, but the patient died. You know, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that kind of we focus on the small. We fix this little problem here in isolation from other problems. So when he goes on then to the chapter that follows this, which is on the integral nature of ecology, he says it's precisely that fragmentation uh, that gets us. We miss the, we miss the bigger picture. We miss the whole, and we miss these different connections. Uh, and we tend to focus on these little solutions. And you know and I know brilliant people who can spend hours solving the smallest little detail of a little particular problem. But the house could be on fire while they're doing it. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're so absorbed in this. And he's saying that's in a way that technical mindset that we get comfort, we get into this little comfort zone of ours that we're in control of this. And of course, technology is is hugely about being in control. Mm. It's interesting, this whole idea of integral ecology, I think it's kind of a term that Francis has coined in this encyclical, and it's this whole idea, I suppose, that, you know, nature can't be regarded as something separate from us, as, you know, a mere setting in which we live, you know, it, it's a, there's a requirement that any time we look at the problems, we're analysing the problems around the environment, it has to look at it in the context of, well, the, the human being, the family, work-related issues, urban context the mass majority of people are now living in, and, you know, and how people relate to themselves. And I thought it was just, it was an interesting holistic approach almost um, that you wouldn't kind of expect uh, in one sense, or that wouldn't, no, let me rephrase that. For those that wouldn't be kind of conscious of it, 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 it of conscious of the biblical tradition, they wouldn't maybe expect it from the Christian tradition or from a Christian leader in some respects. No, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, this idea that the, there is the, to recognize and appreciate this interconnectedness between the whole of, of reality and how, you know, the smallest change in, in biodiversity, the extinction of, a, extinction of a species, or indeed the destruction of the culture of an indigenous tribe, uh, diminishes us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, you know, Pope Francis calls us to recognize that. He talks about the patrimony of a particular people as a gift that needs to be respected rather than a commodity to be discarded, and that its elimination is just as significant as the elimination of a species or of a plant. And in a way, when we do this, we're actually, uh, we're actually destroying the beauty, uh, the God-given beauty, beauty of, of creation. We're diminishing the beauty of that. It's a bit like, you know, we all got very upset there uh, a couple of years ago when a particular painting in the art gallery was was destroyed with a knife, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because we could say there's something of beauty as part of our patrimony and so on. But in a way, Pope Francis is telling us that's what we're doing every day uh, by the way we live our lives, that we are actually living in a way that is discarding, and it may be a way that's hidden, but is discarding or destroying uh, species. Uh, and that we, de- we depend upon them all. Indeed, it's not, uh, as the scientific evidence shows, it's not a... Uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's actually the reality is that uh, all of this kind of destruction is affecting uh, the overall uh, well-being of the planet. I suppose there's, there's two things. I'm, I'm just conscious, as I mean, the time is catching up with us. So we could we could spend another hour discussing the, the encyclical. But I suppose there's two kind of I suppose final or 
areas, points that we'd like to cover. I suppose one is this issue that a lot of people were concerned that when Pope Francis was publishing the encyclical, because of the support he was getting from the UN and particularly the contraceptive mentality, pro-abortion mentality of organs within the United Nations, that the encyclical could be used to justify those kind of policies. That was, that was, that was one thing, that was one fear that was there of many people. But then I suppose the second side of it is we've discussed Francis's awareness raising of the environmental issues. What practical things are come out of the um, uh, out, out of the encyclical? Okay. Well, just to your first point first, I, I mentioned in the very beginning the inseparable bond that Pope Francis sees between care of the earth and care of the poor. He also sees an inseparable bond between what he calls the the ecology of nature and and human ecology. So it, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, to talk in terms of uh, care of the earth, and not at the same time see, uh, you know, that that the the whole uh, of human ecology also needs to be respected. He says our bodies, for example, are God's gift, uh, just as every species is God's gift. There is a law of nature, and that law of nature applies to human nature as well. And he says, you know, our bodies are God's gift, as is the reality, for example, of sexual difference, um, and of course, you know, the recent. Uh, 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 campaign here both in Ireland recently for uh, the, you know to, to really define gender as simply something that we choose rather than something that uh, we are actually given uh, is really addressed by Pope Francis in this um, as indeed also he talks about uh, the nature of the family as something that is given and he's spoken widely about the colonization of the family and indeed for all uh, you know his, his very real and, and heartfelt uh, desire that we would care for people of, of homosexual orientation. Pope Francis has been very strong on his defence of the family uh, as uh, and indeed of marriage as, mm-hmm. as only possible between a man and a woman. So uh, it, it, people need to have no concern about that. He also talks about um, you know attempts to limit population growth in other countries, but he says in a way uh, fundamentally that's a form of our own selfishness. That uh, the, that the forms of growth. Uh, that uh, that we it's, it's we who put pressure on these countries and make it unviable for them to actually uh, have the the kind of level of population uh, that very often they wish or desire because it's our our demands from the West you know mm-hmm. so we have to acknowledge our own responsibility that yes, as well yeah sorry gentlemen John, yeah you were going to come in there <laughs> I, I am going to come in because we're way up against the time now I'm sorry we'll have to pull the conc- the discussion to a close maybe again some other time time Shane. Yeah, maybe uh, we might get Father Eamon on again. I just one area I think that maybe we might bring him on again to discuss is just the practical. What what does the encyclical kind of um, encourage us to do? Encourage us to look at. We've kind of discussed that the awareness, and maybe maybe Father Eamon might get you on again for maybe for a short twenty minute discussion about just what does it mean now? What 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 kind of are the next steps that Francis is suggesting, and maybe things that people can be thinking about. In the meantime. Father Eamon, thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome indeed, and uh, look forward to talking to you. You always, you, you always really are a pleasure to have on the programme. Thank you so much. Thanks to Anne for joining me this morning. Thanks to Shane. We've got to go um, way over time. I won't go out with any music this morning, but I'll go out because I don't have any time. But I might go out with the last prayer that the Pope um, um, wrote on the encyclical. And it's a prayer for our earth. And it goes, All powerful God, you are present in the whole universe, in the smallest of your creatures. You embrace with your tenderness all that exists. Pour out upon us the power of your love, that we may protect life and beauty. Fill us with peace, that we may live as brothers and sisters, harming no one. 
O God of the poor, help us to rescue the abandoned and the forgotten of this earth, so precious in, in your eyes. Bring healing to our lives, that we may protect the world and not prey on it, that we may sow beauty, not pollution and destruction. Touch our hearts of those who look only for gain, or touch the hearts for those who only look for gain, at the expense of the poor and the earth. Teach us to discover the worth of each thing, to be filled with awe and contemplation, to recognize that we are profoundly united with every creature as we journey towards your infinite light. We thank you for being with us each day. Encourage us as we, we pray in our struggle for justice, love, and peace. So until next week, God bless you all now. Bye-bye. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.